podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. I am Philip Slavin, your host. As usual, Andy Mitch will be joining me today. He is my usual Monday cohort as we recap Big 12 basketball, the weekend that was, and what is coming up this week to keep an eye on. No other special guest. Sometimes we just, we just want to chat. We have plenty to chat about. The insane foul calls in Baylor versus Oklahoma State, where Baylor was able to escape with a win in Waco. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State's head coach, Mike Boynton, ejected from the game after justly going after verbally the refs, not physically in any way, shape, or form. And the interesting way he left the court, I think it's worth acknowledging that, I don't know, classiest way I've ever seen anybody leave the court after getting ejected. Texas blowing a huge lead to Texas Tech. That's... Another black mark on Shaka Smart. They've got a big game against Baylor on Monday night. Is that the game that can define their season? We'll talk a little about Oklahoma and West Virginia. Oklahoma, the fifth team to potentially get into the NCAA tournament. Right now, that's the best shot for the Big 12 to get a fifth team in. Talk a little ESPN Plus because there are a couple of big games on it this week. In fact, arguably, the two biggest games of the week. Kansas facing West Virginia, West Virginia facing Baylor. All right. Quick note. Baseball is coming on Thursday. We're talking Big 12 baseball on our Thursday episode. Very excited to have a great guest coming on. I want to do a softball episode, but I need your help. I have reached out to some people have been unable to find a guest yet. So if you feel confident in talking about Big 12 softball, if you have someone in mind that you would love to see on the show, let us know. Tweet us at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, DM us, list the name in the rev- in, in review. Just let us know who you would love to see or if you feel like you are someone who could come on and talk Big 12 softball. We've got three great teams. It's a good conference in softball. We'd love to give them their due. Make sure and give us a follow on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss the baseball preview on Thursday. 
leave us a five-star rating, leave us a review. With all of that, let's get to it. All right, of course, it's Monday. We're talking hoops. Andy Mitz is here. Andy, let's just get right out of the gate with this. What is the moment from Saturday or the thing from Saturday that surprised you the most? Oh, gosh. We have lots of different options. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, honestly, though, I think the Oklahoma win over West Virginia, not just the fact that they won, but the fact that they won so convincingly, I think was the thing Mm -hmm. that was the most surprising. But there's definitely a lot of weird things happening in the Big 12 this week. Um, I don't know why we're seeing so many weird things, especially since it seemed like the pecking order for the conference was very, very clearly defined. Um, And I'm not necessarily sure that that's actually the case anymore. I mean, that they won in the way they, that they won big was surprising. Um, But that is how West Virginia is going to lose games is their defense is good. But if the other team can hit shots, West Virginia just offensively is is a team that struggles. So if if they can't hold the other team down, they're they're going to lose a lot of games that way. Um, I I think to me, it's that Oklahoma State stayed as close to Baylor as they did. Um, I thought Oklahoma State played well, even at one point they were down fourteen at one point, um, and were able to claw their way back in. And I mean, I'll be I'll be blunt, the refs were bad both ways. They were. Uh, the rest were bad, period, all night. They played, They decided they wanted to be the stars of the show and not let the game actually play out. And there were some bad calls that went Oklahoma State's way as well. But there were some, there were some whistles and some decisions by the refs at the end of that game that helped Baylor secure the win. Not trying to take anything away from Baylor in any way, shape, or form. I think even Baylor fans will agree the refs, you'd rather the refs have just left and just let the two teams play and whoever won, won. Um, because the refs decided to turn it into uh, the scene where uh, uh, Charlie is is playing rec leave ref uh, for the kids in Always Sunny. If you've seen that episode, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, it just it was embarrassing to watch. Like, I, and I get it. We all love to hate the refs, and Big Twelve refs have a reputation of not being great. But that was that was awful. That was awful to watch. And ugh, just. Uh, but Baylor, I mean, the last two games in a row for Baylor have been, and, and this happens to any good team. You're going to have some some lulls. Last two games have a little bit of, been a little bit closer than we we've come to expect from Baylor. Yeah, I mean, the thing that bugged me the most about that game, kind of what you're talking about with the refs, though, was honestly just some of the fouls that were called really late. I mean, Oklahoma State had four players foul out, and Lindy Waters had four. He very easily could have fouled out at the end there as well. But you know, I counted on each of the four players that fouled out: McGriff, an A, uh, Laurent, and then uh, let's see, it was Boone. Like the final foul for them was the weakest foul that I've seen. Like I thought each one of them could have gone up there as a "What the hell are you looking at?" because that was absolutely ridiculous. And I, you know, I didn't even get to watch the entire game. Um, but even like I watched the the second half in its entirety, and I was just. Like if this was my team, I'd be going ballistic. I actually thought of you while I was watching that game. Of I wonder, I wonder how how Phillips' blood pressure is doing at this point. Because if it was me, I would, you know, my wife would be telling me to, you know, turn off the TV, go find a dark room, and calm down. Because you know, I probably would have been worried about my own health at that point. This was, I mean, it was a, it was a very, very Big Twelve refs, you know, type 
performance there where I just don't know what they were looking at. Like, yes, there were some bad calls against Baylor as well, but I thought, um, you know, a lot of that really swung the game in Baylor's favor. Every time Oklahoma State looked like they were about to take the lead, they got bailed out. Um, or I'm sorry, Baylor got bailed out by a, a, a foul from the ref. There was there was two offensive fouls that I thought were absolutely ridiculous. Honestly, should have been flops the other way. Uh, um, it was the just likely oh, one at the end. So the likely fa- offensive foul at the end of the game was the final minutes was embarrassing. The offensive foul likely at the final minutes was absolutely and utterly embarrassing. Yeah, like you and, just watch that and go, "What are you doing? What what do you what do you?" What are you calling? Like some of that stuff's just like, what are you? What are you watching? Like if those guys aren't reprimanded, dock pay, and held out from games, like I, I'm, it's just like why? Why even bother? Like what does it matter? Like do you care that these guys are, are calling games like this? Is that okay? Because it's not, not even, not in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I, I would have been perfectly happy with Baylor losing one because it helps Kansas, obviously, and I and I'm a Kansas guy, but. You know, if you're looking at because because I was I was going ballistic as well for a, another game that was having a similar sort of issue, not in the Big 12. So, you know, it's not as important to our audience, but uh, I'm sure everyone saw everything that happened in that one because it's, you know, the Duke UNC fest that ESPN can't seem to do anything but talk about. I mean, you know, <laughs> the big gripe that I had was Kansas TCU earlier in the game was sitting there watching the halftime show, and it was literally 45 seconds of Kansas TCU highlights and then 16 minutes of buildup for Duke UNC that was coming later in the day. So, you know, I can guarantee North pretty Carolina much everyone. this year, guys. Like, I know. It was horrible. Not, like, it's not even like, ugh. But, but it was one of those things where at the same time that the refs were absolutely destroying any sense of an actual game between Oklahoma State and Baylor, the same thing was happening to UNC against Duke. Duke got away with so much crap at the very end of that game as well. And it was happening simultaneously. You know, I had I had one game up on my TV and one game up on my phone at the same time. I was watching them both and just watching in tandem as refs were making very, very bad calls in both games and completely screwing over the underdog in both of those games. Uh, I think the big moment from that, the one that Derek was talking about, really is, is Mike Boynton, not a guy who gets that visibly angry. Not a guy who who loses his cool. Absolutely lost his cool. And it's understandable. Take the one and nine start to conference play. Take everything the team has gone through this season. And then watching what the refs were doing, he lost his cool. Um, got ejected. Before he leaves the court, walks over to the other side. Shakes the coach's hand. Says, hey, to every Baylor player. And leaves. And... Which I thought was awesome. I think I've seen it from both sides. It was a, it was a. If you're gonna, if you're gonna get ejected and have to leave, I'm not sure there's a a better way you can handle that. Yeah, and and to be honest, like the way that he went off, you know, it wasn't like a complete out of your mind. You know, I'm gonna like go after refs or anything that makes people think less of him. It was a guy standing up for his players. You know, getting visibly upset about a call that objectively everyone knows was absolutely atrocious. And he got a double technical because he was drawing at the refs. At that point, the game was over anyway. You know, there was only a few seconds left. Like, it's not like they were going to be able to, you know, get the ball after that horrible foul call and go down and make, you know, and make enough shots. Because I believe they were down four at that point. Um, Gets the double technical. You know, so Baylor gets to make all those free throws, which pushes the lead out to eight to end. But that game was a whole lot closer than that. Um, You know, it, it honestly was absolutely ridiculous. But I thought... You know, that's going to get him a lot of respect, not only in his locker room, but around the conference and around NCAA basketball, 
you know, the way that he handled that, the way he kept his composure. He got two technicals essentially for jawing at a ref because he disagreed with the call in a game that was already over, you know, showing that he's standing up for his guy. I mean, I don't I don't know how anyone can have a problem with that. And he's definitely not going to get any kind of suspension uh, moving forward, which I actually saw someone talking about that online, um, you know, afterwards. It's like, oh, he you know, he got ejected. He should automatically be suspended. That's not the way it works. You know, it's not like he went after someone. And so, you know, I, I actually gained a little bit of respect for him. I know have I've personally have kind of wondered how long he's going to stick around. I think I've actually had that discussion with you before um, and with a, a couple other people. Uh, I know I, I talked with with your your cohort over at uh, Cowboys Ride for Free, Mike Allen, about it. Um, and so, you know, I definitely um, – but, you know, I, I definitely think he is the kind of coach that if he can stick around for the next few years and start to get some of this turned around, he's got the buy-in from the players. You know, he's going to be able to get it turned around. It's just a matter of how long they're going to give him to do it. 2020 will be a big year for Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham coming in. Obviously, that's the – Next year's kind of the make or break year for him. He's not going anywhere before before that next season is over. Um, so I I think that's enough about that. I think there's some I think there's some news we have to discuss, and I know that Iowa State's pretty much out of everything. But Tyrese Halliburton injuring himself against Kansas State, the Cyclones got the win there in that game, seventy three sixty three. But losing Halliburton with a wrist injury for at least a week, so uh, obviously at least means probably two games and my guess is likely more if you look at their schedule coming up you know, they're 10 and 13 so far eighth in the eighth in the big 12 at, at three and seven and on the schedule they've got a trip to oklahoma texas at home at kansas and texas tech are the next four if halliburton is out i mean this is the similarity between tcu and iowa state to me is this these are two teams i thought were very similar they both have one guy who's a stud and everybody else and if you lose the stud, uh, things could get very ugly in Ames very quickly. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that Halliburton was really the only guy that you could count on night in and night out. And honestly, he was kind of the main cog that made anything work for that team. You know, they've had a really rough year, even with him um, and going without him. You know, it's going to be difficult. They have a very tough stretch coming up. Um, you know, say what say what you will about Texas and the, and this Texas team, um, but you know they've shown some fight recently, and, and you know, like I fully expect it. It's actually weird because I'm looking on Ken Palm and Iowa State, as of right now, is uh, is considered to be a favorite against Texas by three points. But obviously, I don't think that accounts for the loss of Halliburton, assuming he's out for that game. Um, you know, they've got a a fairly big ask here uh, to try to beat Oklahoma or even beat Texas or Kansas or Texas Tech in those next four. Um, so if he's not back for any of those four games, I don't know how you can even think that it's a slim possibility that he's going to have, that they're going to have an opportunity to win that game, which means that if they want any hope of doing anything all year long, um, you know, they're going to have to beat TCU and Oklahoma state and Kansas state, and maybe even upset West Virginia to close out the season um, and then go on a run in the big 12 tournament, which you know, is asking a whole lot at this point. If they can go 500 the rest of the way, then at the very least they're going, no, actually they would have to win the big 12 tournament to qualify for the NIT, um, you know, because they have to be at least 500 and losing in the big 12 tournament. If they go four and four to finish the season would mean that they would be one game under including all the big 12 tournaments. So yeah, it's a big ask for them to even be able to make the NIT, especially if he's out for any length of time. So uh, yeah, they're going to need him back. 
they're going to need him back soon if they want to do anything this year. I think at this point it's probably a lost season for them. Not that you know I think most people expected very much after kind of the start that they had. Um, but you know they they I'm not quite sure what their recruiting class looks like, but I'm under the impression they have a few guys coming in that will be pretty good. So hopefully you know for Iowa State fans' sake, um, you know they'll they'll kind of get something going next year. They can kind of retool and just see where it goes from there. So let me ask you this then. Iowa State currently 3-7 and seven in conference play. They're in, in eighth place. Behind them, Kansas State at 2-8, and eight, Oklahoma State at 1-9. and nine. With the loss of Halliburton, and I do think it is a huge loss, does Iowa State finish in last place if he's out for more than a week? Um, to be honest, I don't know. Uh, I would probably say not. Like, if he's back and back at full strength before that game against TCU, which is February 25th, um, honestly, I think they'll be okay because you probably expected them even with Halliburton to lose the next four against Oklahoma, uh, or I'm sorry, at Oklahoma, at home against Texas, at Kansas, and then at home against Texas Tech. Like, you know, you would say they probably have a very good chance of losing all four of those games. Um, what they're going to need to differentiate themselves is the win against TCU at home, the win on the road at Oklahoma State, and potentially a win to end the season at Kansas State. I still think with Halliburton, they have a really good shot at all three of those games. It's just a matter of making sure he's back fully healthy. Um, you know, at, at, for all the fight we've seen in Oklahoma State, I just I don't know where they're going to go ahead and get wins from unless they really start to get things turned around or a team like TCU completely falls off a cliff. Um, but even then, TCU has so many wins in the bank, you know, that, that uh, you know, it's going to be difficult for a lot of those teams underneath them to kind of get above them. But, you know, if I was betting on it, I would probably say that maybe Iowa State has like a, you know, a third chance to be last in the Big 12. Um, but I would I would have to say that, you know, Kansas State and Oklahoma State probably both have slightly better chances of finishing below Iowa State than Iowa State does have of, dro- of dropping all the way down. So you mentioned Oklahoma. I want to go back to the Sooners for just a minute. Oklahoma obviously getting the big win over West Virginia on Saturday. It bumped them up in the net rankings 10 spots from 58 to 48. We've said this in our in last week when we had um, we had Brian Ralph on. Um, if a fifth team was going to make the tournament from the Big 12, and, and, and Ralph said he thought it might be four, you kind of echoed that theory. Um, I still stand by the Big 12 can get five. And uh, OU feels like they've kind of got a, a stranglehold on that, barring something crazy. Texas is now at four and six. They have 14 and nine overall. Um, they have the same conference directors as TCU. And, and Texas had a chance. They had a big 12-point lead against Texas Tech. I believe they had a 17-point lead at one point over Texas Tech in that game and, and blew that. And, and, and Texas Tech came all the way back to win on Saturday. You look at Texas, net rankings, they're at 66. That ain't good. And I'll be honest, I just I look at this Longhorn squad and the way they lost that game on Saturday does not give me any hope. Looking at the schedule this week, they've got Baylor at home, at Iowa State, uh, then they get TCU at home, and they go to Kansas State. So if you look at the schedule, they could go three and one in their next in their next four. But are wins over Kansas State, TCU, and Iowa State really going to do anything besides make your record look better and help them move up with a chance of an at-large bid? Uh, I think this game against Baylor on Monday night at eight p.m. 
is really the true make or break for Texas because they need a win like that to hang their hat on if they want to have a real shot. Without it, they've got a home game against West Virginia. They've got a road game at Texas Tech. Otherwise, I know no offense to a road game in Oklahoma. I don't know that that's going to be enough. Beating the other te- the teams at the bottom who they have left, OSU, West Virginia. Sorry, they've got a game against OSU. Obviously, that three-game stretch of Iowa State, TCU, and Kansas State. If they can't get a win over Baylor here, I think they're going to be sitting in a spot where we can go ahead and write the Texas Longhorns completely off the board for the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. Although I will say, you know, if you're looking for a good time to go up against a Baylor team, like this is probably the time to do it. Baylor is a little beat up, um, kind of dealing with that close loss. They might be, you know, this might be a little bit of a hangover game. Um, they're going to have it at home. Big Monday, short rest. You know, they had their own huge, disappointing loss to Texas Tech. But this is a Texas team that I think will get galvanized by that and will give a little bit better effort. The question is going to be, how is Baylor going to bounce back? Um, I, I do I do think, though, if you're if you're comparing Texas and Oklahoma in terms of what they have left coming up, Oklahoma has a much tougher schedule. They, you know, yeah, they, they get to play Iowa State on Wednesday um, at home. But then they have to go to Kansas and then play Baylor at home. Potentially, Baylor could be coming off, you know, a very rough week for them. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I want to be the team that plays, you know, Baylor after they've had time to recover from some very close games that they shouldn't have had, you know, had that close. Um, and then, but then Oklahoma still has to go to West Virginia. You know, even though they beat West Virginia at home, they have to go to West Virginia, which is a completely different animal. And they play a semi-home game where they've given up their home game to go to a, a quote-unquote neutral site, um, you know, which is definitely much closer to Oklahoma than it is to Texas Tech. Um, you know, they play that game on the 25th against Texas Tech. So they still have four very, very tough games on their schedule, whereas Texas has a lot of their big, you know, issue or their big tough games away from them. You know, so they're, they're going to play West Virginia at home. And while they're not favored in that one and they shouldn't be favored in that one, they could potentially get some something rolling. And again, that's another one coming off of a Saturday game on a big Monday. So it's a huge circus type atmosphere. Um, you know, so like if, if Texas can get the win against Baylor and the win against West Virginia, then I think you almost have to consider them to be a shoe in for one of those last four in um, unless they just completely fall apart against some of these lesser teams. Um, whereas Oklahoma you know, while they are the better team as of right now and have the better resume, they also have a lot of tough games on their schedule. They could easily drop, um, you know, and they they also have to play, um, you know, at Oklahoma State, which, again, Oklahoma State seems to be improving. The question is going to be how much are they going to improve by that point? It might be a tougher game than a lot of people think it's going to be, you know, so that's a potentially a five game stretch, six, six game stretch. If you include the game against Texas, you know, when in the second to last game of the year. You know, so there's definitely a possibility Oklahoma could fall off a little bit and either Texas is going to gain from that or they'll fall off a little bit, but not enough to get out of the NCAA tournament picture. I can at least theoretically see if Texas can get either the Baylor game or the West Virginia game and then not drop any of the other games on their schedule um, that Texas could get in, I think, fairly comfortably, especially if they can win a couple in the Big 12 tournament. So let's look to the week ahead. Um Obviously, that big game on Monday, Baylor traveling to Austin to face Texas. Big game for Texas. Baylor, you know, they they can afford a loss. It's not really going to—I don't think a loss at Texas is going to knock them off the one seat at this point. But Texas, big game for them. TCU traveling to Texas Tech. You just—if you're Texas Tech, you just don't want to lose that game. Tuesday, 
OSU at Kansas State. Sorry, it's not very exciting. The big game of the week to me, though, is on Wednesday night. Kansas traveling to West Virginia, going to Morgantown for a a big matchup for, look, I, I think West Virginia is pretty much out of the Big 12 regular season title race. It's it's Kansas and Baylor have enough of a lead. I feel comfortable saying one of those teams is going to win it. For Kansas, this is a big game on Wednesday because they are a game behind Baylor. And if Baylor is able to beat Texas, Kansas has to be able to keep pace. I'm I'm really interested in this Wednesday night game. I'm going to be watching this one between Kansas and West Virginia. What is uh? Let me get you a little preview from you. What do you What do you feel and what do you think about this game on Wednesday? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a shameless plug here and tell anyone that wants a real preview of the game, go ahead and and listen to our podcast, the the Rock Chalk podcast, because I'm actually getting ready to uh to record that preview um with with my cohort over there. But you know what I'm looking at for this game, I think you know if this had happened last week that I would have be having big questions would be feeling a little uncomfortable, but West Virginia has now shown several games in the last couple of weeks here um, that they are just, they are struggling to find themselves offensively. They can be an absolute beast on defense, but they can't really do anything offensively, especially against teams that are very strong on the inside, which Kansas now is, you know, you know, is coming on a lot stronger with his defense. He's a much better defender than he used to be. David McCormick came back from his suspension and is an absolute beast on the inside, kind of, you know, being essentially a mini doke at this point. Um, and so, you know, not what I was actually expecting to happen. Um, the fact that McCormick is now coming off the bench and is a true backup to Yudo as opposed to them kind of competing and trying to find time on the floor together, I think is really, really big help for this team. Kansas is getting a lot better. Um, than I think they were when they first met West Virginia. And and while that game was fairly close, a lot of that I think had to do with Kansas not being able to find their offense. Yes, Kansas have found times where they've kind of struggled and gone cold, but they've also shown, you know, that they can really lock teams down defensively. They held TCU, you know, to 0.7 points per possession, which is an absolutely phenomenally low number. Um, Kansas actually has rated right now, according to Ken Palm, uh, the best defense in the nation. West Virginia has the second best defense in the nation. So what we're going to see is a very defensive matchup, I'm pretty sure here. Um, I just don't know that West Virginia has enough offensive firepower to overcome what Kansas is able to do, even if this gets into a Morgantown matchup where there's a whole bunch of fouls. You know, if it's a foul fest, Kansas still has quite a few guys they can throw. The only the only thing that has me potentially worried is if somehow West Virginia can get two quick fouls on both McCormick and Yudokas Bouquet in the first half. And then they're both sitting for big stretches of the first half there. I was at the big game on Wednesday. That game on ESPN Plus, which I'm sure will make everybody happy to see that the biggest game of the regular of the week for the Big 12 is on the paid service. Look, guys, it's just part of it. Get over it. I, I already have about 17 tweets queued up in my tweet deck for that night to <laughs> complain about ESPN Plus. So don't don't ruin it for me. No, no, no. Look, feel free. Vent, complain, argue. Just understand that it ain't changing um, no matter oh, how oh, oh. irritated you are. So You want to know what's even worse. The we- the two biggest games of the entire week are both on ESPN Plus because Saturday at 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, so so 3 p.m. for people that are usually listening to this podcast, West Virginia goes to Baylor, and that game is on ESPN Plus as well. Oh, happy day. Oh, there's two games on ESPN Plus that day. You get that one. And you get Kansas State TCU if that's something that just happens to, you know, Pique your interest, tickle your fancy. Meanwhile, Texas Tech at Oklahoma State's on CBS. On oh Saturday, boy! Because so everyone wants to watch that one, some right? of these. So this is what the problem with scheduling some of these like ahead of the season is. 
you get these matchups set up and you're like, oh, well, that's not as good as we were hoping it might be. So that's fun. That's that's yeah. Great. Since this is so on brand for us complaining about ESPN Plus, like I would have absolutely no problem with the with the whole ESPN Plus slate if they said we're going to have X number of games on each particular date be for ESPN Plus or, you know, so many games per week. And we will tell you which ones those are going to be as soon as we get there. Um, well, like if, if they did I it the way part that of the football problem is this. It. Go ahead. It, well, but the difference with basketball is there's so many more games than there are football. There just are. And with basketball, because you're having, I think a lot of times they outsource to other, you know, crews and in the area as opposed to actually sending their own people like I think they do for football a lot. You're just, you have to schedule some of that stuff ahead of time. Like, I, and I don't, I don't love it. I think it's a little bit silly. Like they need to find a better way to do it because I I agree. West Virginia Baylor. On the other hand, with West Virginia Baylor and, and Kansas at West Virginia, if you want to force people to sign up for something, give it. Make sure that you stick some of the best stuff on there. Like that. I don't like it, but that's just good business practice. If if we want people to sign up for this, we got to give them a reason to. And no offense, uh, as even as an OSU fan, but if you were telling me that like OSU Kansas State was going to be on ESPN Plus. I'd be like, okay, I don't think anyone else is going to watch it but us, but that's fine. But if you want to watch West Virginia Baylor, which is a huge game, you're going to have to be signed up for it. And while I don't like that, that's just good business practice. Yeah, but I think the biggest problem, and this came to light a lot, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, West Virginia has had a lot of games already on ESPN Plus, and there is a huge part of their fan base that are in areas where you cannot get the kind of internet you need to actually be able to stream a game like that um, and to have it not be, you know, chopping up every five minutes or being 20 minutes behind because it takes literally that long for the stream to buffer. Like this is really, really bad planning on their part. And and again, like my thought would be, you know, you cannot possibly tell me that it takes more than two weeks to logistically put everything together to, you know, put a good broadcast together. And so if, you know, if, if they said two weeks before, here's our slate of games this week, you know, two weeks in the future, let's pick a few of them that are going to be on ESPN plus. We'll publicize it there. Like, or even, you know, make it three weeks at that point, then you're going to know which ones are the ones that people are going to see. And I could understand putting, you know, a game or two that are going to be marquee games on ESPN plus to kind of help sell it. Like you're talking about, but when you are consistently putting your best games, not on national television, but on a streaming service that a lot of people are having problems actually getting access to and having it run any kind of smooth at all. Like I, I it like doesn't ESPN work very Plus. well a lot of the time. Well, right, exactly. Like I, I actually like the ESPN Plus. I watch plenty of football games on there. I like to watch the random basketball game. I like all of the non, you know, the quote unquote non revenue sports that are on there. I love the service. I think it's absolutely great. But when you're putting your biggest products on there and everyone's complaining because they can't actually access it. It doesn't actually help drive subscriptions. In fact, I think it might actually hurt because people that are trying to, you know, see these huge events and and if it's a matter of the pro, you know, the problems in the stream are because of capacity issues or, you know, or it's because of Internet for people that are actually trying to see it. Like, regardless, if you piss off enough people because they can't see the gigantic events that they used to be able to see on your cable TV you know, channel that you have, you're all you're going to do is get people pissed off. It's not going to help. You know, the old saying that all publicity or, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Like that's not actually true because there are a lot of options. There are a lot of other ways for people to try to go ahead and get sports. And I've actually heard a lot of, a lot of people that are just boycotting a lot of these events rather than trying to sign up for ESPN plus because they're so fed up with the service. That's wild. No, 
Speaking of uh, of ESPN Plus and Big 12 now, just to wrap this up, uh, baseball <laughs> season starts this week. College baseball season does. And if you're not aware, there will be a ton of Big 12 college baseball games on ESPN Plus this season. So if you are a college baseball fan, I am. I enjoy watching my Cowboys play baseball. Uh, you're going to want to be signed up. Uh, just We will have a baseball preview on Thursday because I want to, and we will, and we cover all sports here, even though most of you won't listen. And that's fine. I don't care. I do, but I don't, but I'll hide it. It's fine. I've got ice cream. Uh, Andy, just real quick to wrap things up. Any any thoughts or interest or excitement about Kansas baseball this year? You know, I don't know that they're expected to be very good. And, and, and softball is kind of the same way. Like, I don't know that they're expected for either Kansas baseball or softball to be competing for Big 12 titles or anything like that. But, you know, they, they have shown some fight. There is some definitely some excitement. Uh, Kansas baseball had a couple of their players drafted last year by the Boston Red Sox um, and hopefully are going to go on to some pretty good things here. Uh, but this, this Kansas team, you know, has had its moments. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And you know what? You say you're worried about people or not worried about people not listening. But as I found out with our tennis episode, there was a whole lot more people that listened than I thought were going to listen to the tennis episode. And so the non-revenue stuff, there is a, still a huge audience for it. You might have to work a little harder to get it out for people. But I definitely appreciate you doing that for Big 12 Baseball. I know I'm going to keep doing it for, for Kansas you know, non-revenue sports. But those are the, the really hard ones to find. And so anytime you can get any of that information out there, it really does help a large community that is, you know, craving as much information as they can find about those non-revenue teams. So, um, and, you know, I I also don't want to leave people with, you know, thinking that I, I am trashing the ESPN plus service. I agree. It is going to be a fantastic way to get softball and baseball coverage, um, any of the other non-revenue sports. So I highly recommend signing up for it. Just be ready that, you know, major college basketball games are probably going to disappoint you a little bit. Um, but if you see it for everything else that the that the service offers, it is definitely still worth picking up. And of course, you know, reminder, I'm sure that you're going to tell them later, but, uh, you know, they are a sponsor of the podcast here. So we, we absolutely love when people sign up under, under that code there that we have because uh, it does help us out. But you know, it is definitely worth getting no matter how you actually get it. Um, so I highly recommend it. I really enjoyed some of the other production stuff that they did that wasn't actually games. So tons of great stuff there. And, of course, I'm I'm actually looking forward to the baseball episode because uh, I definitely don't know enough about Big 12 baseball. So, Hey, if you are new to the show, we do cover as many of the sports as we can. Um, we've done soccer. We've done tennis. I will talk, especially when you get to like NCAA tournament time with a lot of those teams and sports, we will have guests on to cover. And if we can find a guest, we'll talk about stuff. Speaking of guests, I know I put talked about this in the intro, but I want to reiterate, we would love to do a, an episode on Big 12 softball. You've got three teams. Oklahoma is one of the best teams nationally year in, year out. Texas is really good. Oklahoma State is on the rise. We would love to talk about Big 12 softball. I am not an expert enough to feel like I can get on here by myself and do so. So if you are someone who loves Big 12 softball and feels confident talking about it, or you know someone who is, please let us know. I've tried to reach out to some people and so far have not been able to get anything set up. So if you know someone or feel like you are someone who would be want to come on the show and talk Big 12 softball, do us a favor. Hit us up on Twitter. The DMs are open at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Let us know. You can tweet at us, DM us. Um, yeah. Leave it in a comment here on the show after you watch it. We want to know. We would love to do a softball episode. I want to give every sport uh, in the Big 12 a shot. 
At some point, we'll do an equestrian episode. I swear, I make jokes about it, but it will happen at some point. I just don't know when. Um, so, with that said, Andy, it's always a pleasure, man. Enjoy some some big games for Kansas this week. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Sounds good. Podcast Network.